Welcome to The Road to Rural Prosperity, featuring stories about rural Oklahoma and rural America. Guiding us on the journey today is our host, Ron Hayes. Well, thank you, Billy, and welcome to another edition of The Road to Rural Prosperity. Today, it's going to be a trip down memory lane along the road as we look back over the last five to six years of struggle over the waters of the U.S. rule, the old rule that was put together by the Obama administration that has transitioned to the navigable water protection rule of the Trump administration. We remember back in 2014 talking about it for the first time. We'll start the story there here in just a few moments. Today's Road to Rural Prosperity being powered by Bank First, loyal to Oklahoma and loyal to you. We'll return on the Road to Rural Prosperity, talking waters of the U.S. in just a few moments. With communities from border to border, Bank First lenders understand the needs of today's agricultural market. Whether you need to purchase land, equipment, or livestock, or maybe need an operating line of credit, call on Bank First. They are a certified lender with the Farm Service Agency and can help with specialized financing when other banks can't. Bank First is proud to serve the needs of the Sooner State's agricultural market. Bank First is loyal to Oklahoma and you. Member FDIC, loan subject to approved credit. Headquartered in Oklahoma City, the Oklahoma Public School Resource Center envisions a quality public education for every child in Oklahoma, and their mission is to drive transformation and increased academic achievement within Oklahoma's public education system. The Resource Center is a nonprofit organization that provides essential resources, professional development, and technical assistance to the state's public schools. They advocate for high-quality instruction for all Oklahoma students and support increasing classroom innovation to provide them a challenging, globally competitive education. We are traveling the road to rural prosperity, and today's road is actually a memory lane experience, if you please, as we go back to 2014. That's when we began our reporting of the Waters of the U.S. proposed rule of the Obama administration as being promoted by the Environmental Protection Agency and the administrator for EPA under President Obama, Gina McCarty. We sat in a small conference room in March of 2014 at the National Farmers Union Convention with Administrator McCarty as she talked about this proposed rule, saying, nothing to worry about. It's not going to hurt or in any way infringe on your ability to be a farmer or rancher. Do not be concerned. Those were the comments of Gina McCarty to reporters that were covering that particular meeting in New Mexico. Well, fast forward to the summer of 2014, and we heard from Michael Kelsey of the Oklahoma Cattlemen's Association. Michael saying, you have got to sit down and talk about WOTUS, Waters of the U.S., with Richard Gephardt, a rancher from northeastern Oklahoma. He's very concerned. He's read the proposed rule. I have to admit, I thought to myself, who in the world would sit out and actually read a complete regulatory rule proposal? Well, we talked with Richard, and here's our initial report from June of 2014. 
More than once, we've read or listened to EPA officials say WOTUS is not a land grab. It's not their intent to actually regulate more lands than they currently have under their jurisdiction. But Richard Gephardt, president of the Oklahoma Cattlemen's Association and the current treasurer of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, NCBA, says this rule is a huge land grab. You just have to read it. Most of you may not know, but I'm also an attorney in addition to a cow-calf operator in northeast Oklahoma. I've read this rules multiple times. I cannot believe how shocked I am by the overreach of this rule. EPA consistently tells us in, in our conversations with them that that is not their intent to regulate all lands. But when I read this rule, I see no way out of it that it does not give them, it gives them the authority to regulate all lands. I think back to uh, one time when I read this rule, I think back to when I was an infantry officer in the Army, and they trained me that there were five types of land. And the way you recognize them, if you were sitting down on a piece of land and it was dark at night and you sent four soldiers out on the compass points, and they all came back and they said, I was going uphill, you were in a depression. Those four young men came back to you and said, all four of them went downhill, you were on a hilltop. If three of them went up and one of them went down, you were in a valley or a draw. And the opposite, uh, you were on a ridgeline. And the last piece of ground was two of them going up and two of them going down, you were on a saddle. All of those pieces of land, except for a depression, drain water. In my legal opinion, they're all within the reach of this rule. Because no matter where they drain, they're going to drain into something that's going to drain into something else that's going to eventually, if you're in between the two mountain ranges, get to the Mississippi, except for some exceptions in the northern part of the United States, all of them get to uh, the Gulf of Mexico. You know, you may have found it interesting that I use the pronouns something, something, and something, and it reflects back on some conversations I've had with EPA spending hours with attorneys talking about the difference between gull, uh, gullies and draws and valleys. And that's how ridiculous this rule is written. Attorney, cattle producer Richard Gephardt, who says that the overreach, the intrusion into your daily agricultural lives of this particular rule from EPA and the Army Corps of Engineers is breathtaking. Early coverage of the waters of the U.S. proposed rule from June of 2014. Let's jump forward to early fall when we talk to lead lobbyist for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, Colin Woodall, about the proposed rule, which at that point was open for public comment. We asked Woodall exactly what would it take for NCBA to think that WOTUS would be acceptable. Well, the rule just needs to go away. Uh, We don't think that there is anything that they can do to change this rule in its current form that would make it acceptable to us or any of the other groups that have been working this. Uh, They need to rescind this rule, go back to the drawing board, and in fact, if they want to try to take this approach, is to start all over and go back and the first thing they should do is sit down with all the stakeholder groups and talk about their intentions, what they want to accomplish, and make sure that we're all working together to have a rule that actually does work, not only for EPA, but for all of us on the regulated end of this discussion. That's where we're trying to get to. But uh, any sort of, of tweaking of this current rule, we just don't think is going to be enough to make sure that it's palatable for those of us who utilize the land every day. September comments from Colin Woodall of the D.C. office of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Also in that D.C. office, Ashley McDonald. 
uh, at that particular time with NCBA. And in October, with the comments period being extended, we asked Ashley uh, give it to give us We asked Ashley where we stood with the proposed rule, especially with the efforts of EPA to promote the benefits of WOTUS. This has been basically an ongoing battle since the clean water was created in 1972. What is the extent of the federal government's authority over water? Um, And the Supreme Court has weighed in a number of times and said that the the Corps and EPA have gone too far in their regulatory definition. And here we are again, the EPA and the Corps just trying to to take more control over more water across the country again. And this time, you know, they, they aren't even going to Congress for it. They're, they're just doing it through regulation, which is inappropriate. And, and there absolutely is no articulated limit to the federal government's jurisdiction if you read this proposed rule. And therefore, you know, NCBA, cattle producers across this country should be outraged at this proposal. And the way to fight back, of course, against this proposal is to send in your comments to the agencies. Now, Ashley McDowell says that EPA continues to talk about that there's no expansion of authority over agriculture in this uh, in this proposal, but she says, uh, that's not really true. Uh, you know, EPA and the Corps, and mostly EPA, has said a lot of things recently. They are really in this heated PR campaign mode um, about selling this proposed rule. And they're saying that it does a lot of things Uh, based on their intent. Uh, Unfortunately, their intent doesn't matter. What matters, of course, are the words on paper. Um, And if you read the language broadly, which is what an environmental activist or, or somebody else will do eventually in court, there is no limit to federal jurisdiction, and they can claim jurisdiction over every ditch, every pond, every puddle if they want to. Um, you know, and that's the problem, of course, that we have. And EPA, of course, is out there saying, well, their intent wasn't to do that. Well, uh, thanks, but put it in writing. And that's what we're telling the agency at this point. You know, you've got to put these things in writing, and you can't just claim that it was not your intent to do these things. You, you, you alluded to the uh, the PR campaign. It seems like I can remember maybe once or twice uh, uh, federal government uh, when after they've done a rule and a proposed rule like this during the comment period, uh, getting out and being this aggressive. But but this is a very unusual a bit of a bit of a uh, of a ploy, isn't it? I think so. You know, I've never seen it uh, happen quite so aggressively from a federal agency. Uh, They are out there going around the country trying to talk to farmers and ranchers and convince them that this rule won't affect them, which, uh, you know, we can argue all day with EPA on that front because it definitely will impact farmers and ranchers across this country. Um, But they are definitely out there aggressively advocating and and pushing with their high-level talking points. Of course, they won't get into the weeds about what the words on paper mean. They just, again, keep talking about what their intent was and that they they don't think that it should uh, impact anybody. But that's unfortunately not good enough for us in agriculture. Ashley McDonald, who was with NCBA at that time in October of 2014. Let's fast forward to 2015. EPA has a final rule for WOTUS that they have put into place. They are in the process of letting it go final in a few weeks. In June of that year, we talked with Colin Woodall about the efforts by NCBA and a lot of other groups to try to stop the Obama EPA WOTUS. 
The administrator of the Environmental Protection Agency, Gina McCartney, has said time and again to agriculture, don't worry about WOTUS. Don't worry about the clean water rule because it's not going to impact you any more than what uh, you're currently finding as far as regulation is concerned. According to the agriculture groups that have read the final rule, the clean water rule, or WOTUS, if you please, they've got a different story to tell. They believe American Farm Bureau, National Cattlemen's Beef Association, and others say this is an onerous rule that's going to be disastrous for agricultural producers. Colin Woodall, lead lobbyist for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, says they continue to work with Congress hoping to derail, or slow down anyway, EPA on WOTUS. We have a very sh- a narrow window here in order to uh, get Congress to fix this. You know, the Senate, uh, led by Senator Inhofe, is trying to send this rule back to the agency. I just don't know if we're going to get it done on time, uh, because even if Congress acts, more than likely when that bill goes to the president's desk, he's probably going to veto it. And I don't think that we can override a veto in the Senate. So uh, we are looking at taking this rule to court, because for us, this is truly a, a fall-on-our-sword type issue. We cannot allow this to go forward because it is going to hit farmers and ranchers. You know, the administrator has told us that uh, we have nothing to worry about in agriculture. If we've never needed a permit, we won't need a, a permit now. But we had interaction with EPA out in Iowa just last week where they were looking at a stock tank, a, a pond, in-ground pond that had run around because of rain. And EPA told the landowner that will be a water of the United States. That is counter to everything the administrator has told us. And I think it's that vagueness, that broad of an interpretation that causes us the problems with uh, with this rule and why we have to fight it to the bitter end. On litigation, uh, do you anticipate or is there, is there talk among agricultural groups to, to try to build some sort of a coalition to do, you know, have a united front uh, going to court? There is. It's not only just the ag groups, but we're also working with groups such as the National Association of Home Builders, uh, the American Petroleum Institute, uh, National Mining Association, anybody who is a land use manager uh, or a land user period, uh, they have to be a part of this so that way we can show the courts and show the EPA that this is not just an ag issue. This is not just a county issue. It's for anybody that operates on the land. And I think that will help us uh, really, especially on the, on the PR side of things, to show the consumers, to show Congress, to show EPA that uh, we just don't buy what they're telling us. And that's why we're going to continue this fight. Seems that uh, uh, the consensus of a lot of folks have, that have done the analysis, that have read the revised final rule, it goes a lot further than the proposed rule we commented on last year. Uh, we think it does. You know, we've uh, worked with a coalition that includes groups like the American Farm Bureau Federation, a lot of other ag groups, and everybody agrees the exact same thing. What she changed made no difference. In fact, it probably called into more question uh, the provisions than we already had. And and one thing that we have to understand is if this goes forward, a lot of people question whether or not we'll really see more inspections on farms and ranches. Uh, I think it's a, a bit of a, a red herring discussion because there is private cause of action as part of this rule. It means that even if the EPA doesn't come out to your farm and ranch, if somebody's driving down the road and they see a creek running, they could try to sue you under this new uh, this new rule, and that's and that's the problem that we have. It's it's back to the activists, those folks who spend their days driving up and down county roads trying to find farmers who they think are breaking the law, and they want to take them to court. That's going to be a huge issue for us. Just ahead of the Obama era, WOTUS rule becoming final, calling Woodall in June of 2015. 
Well, it did become final. Litigation did slow it down, though, as far as implementation is concerned in 2015, as well as into 2016. The presidential campaign then obviously was uh, up and running, and the Trump campaign ran on ditching the WOTUS rule. Well, Trump wins. Word comes that Scott Pruitt will be his EPA administrator, the Attorney General of Oklahoma, to head to D.C. Michael Kelsey of the Oklahoma Cattlemen's Association delighted about that particular news, and he talked with our own Carson Horn in December of 2016. We are really excited about this, Carson. Uh, Mr. Pruitt, General Pruitt, has proven that he has a very firm grasp and understanding of the relationship, the positive relationship between agriculture and environment. You cannot separate the two. And he knows that, and he understands what it means to put those two, those two together and how we can work together, uh, both from agriculture and an environment standpoint, to raise food, to keep farm families in place. We're just, Carson, we're just almost giddy, to be right honest with you, over this. Finally, after eight long years of some of the most anti-agriculture regulatory ideas that we've seen from EPA, we're going to have someone in there who understands, has a common sense approach, and knows that stewardship is our middle name in terms of Oklahoma's farmers and ranchers, indeed America's farmers and ranchers, regarding the environment. We're really excited. And Kelsey says at the top of the cattle industry's wish list, getting rid of the waters of the U.S. rule, WOTUS. I think we've got a great friend here. I think uh, WOTUS is, uh, I mean, the funeral arrangements are, you know, they're set, if you will. So for for that uh, just terrible piece of, uh, of regulatory uh, uh, rule, uh, the, we called it the largest private land grab in the history of our country. You can't control water without controlling land. And so that's clearly what uh, Administrator, with all due respect to Administrator McCarthy, that's what she was after. So, again, knowing that Mr. Pruitt is, has a firm understanding of how important agriculture is to the environment and environment is to the agriculture, that they're not exclusive, they work together. Uh, we anticipate that we'll see common sense ideas uh, regarding water, we'll see common sense ideas regarding even air, uh, and it's, we're just really, really excited that, uh, that he's going to put the right people uh, in, in terms of priority, knowing that farmers and ranchers have the utmost commitment to the environment to our natural resources, water, land, and air. He knows that, and he's going to make sure we see that so that we can continue to do what we do best, which is raise food. Michael Kelsey from December of 2016, very happy about the prospects of WOTUS going away very, very soon after President Trump would take the oath of office and be the next president of the United States. We're on a memory road journey today along the road to rural prosperity, looking back at the transition from the Obama-era WOTUS rule to the Trump administration's navigable water protection rule. And we'll continue on the road to rural prosperity to look at how the Trump administration was able to ditch the rule and put a new rule in place here in just a few moments. With communities from border to border, Bank First lenders understand the needs of today's agricultural market. Whether you need to purchase land, equipment, or livestock, or maybe need an operating line of credit, call on Bank First. They are a certified lender with the Farm Service Agency and can help with specialized financing when other banks can't. 
Bank First is proud to serve the needs of the Sooner State's agricultural market. Bank First is loyal to Oklahoma and you. Member FDIC, loan subject to approved credit. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association. They've been representing water and wastewater systems across Oklahoma since 1970. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association was formed to enhance the quality of life in rural Oklahoma through the development and delivery of services and programs for the benefit of ORWA members and the rural people they serve. The road to rural prosperity continues. I'm Ron Hayes. Thank you for being with us today. We're going down memory lane. We started back in 2014 as we uh, uh, talked about the coverage of the waters of the U.S. proposed rule from the Obama administration, our time of hearing from Gina McCarty and more. And we've taken it all the way at this point to the transition in the White House from President Obama to President Trump. Trump wins. He announces he will nominate Scott Pruitt to be his EPA administrator. Before Mr. Pruitt can be actually confirmed, the cattle industry, agriculture continuing to battle to get rid of WOTUS every way they possibly can. Scott Yeager, Chief Environmental Counsel with NCBA, provided us an update in early February of 2017. So there's different ways to get at WOTUS, and we're, we're taking every path to do that. So we're, we're suing the agencies through the courts. We're lobbying Congress to do legislation to define WOTUS and replace the WOTUS rule. And then we're also working with the administration. And the, so that's the, the last one is the big change here. With the Trump administration, he's made it a public campaign promise that he would actually repeal WOTUS and fix it. And that was on his transition team website. And it's, it is still a an issue that his, his transition EPA transition team have stated they want to fix. So our role is to engage the new leadership at EPA to make sure that they can do that. What we want the EPA to do is we want Prude to get confirmed as quickly as possible, and we want leadership to be appointed throughout the agency as quickly as possible so they can re-examine the WOTUS rule, and then ultimately they could decide to withdraw it through a federal rulemaking process. So there's a path forward there, but it's going to be a long path because when they do withdraw it, if they do that, all the environmental groups are going to sue them on that withdrawal as arbitrary and capricious under the Administrative Procedure Act. On the legislative side of things, could Congress help this whole process along quite a bit if they if they did some sort of a a, a rollback or can can they can they step in aggressively enough to make a difference? So Congress has tried, and we encourage Congress to continue trying. But if we look at uh, S1140 and HR1732, that were the House and the Senate's vehicles for fixing WOTUS. Uh, House passed their legislation. The Senate couldn't. So everything gets hung up in the Senate. We failed to get 60 votes there. We were short three votes, so which means we had four Democrats that sided with us, but we just couldn't get enough to pass it. That dynamic hasn't changed all that much. So it's the same situation we're going to be running into in the 115th Congress is it's going to get held up in the Senate. And that's not to say we shouldn't have Congress trying to work on this issue because it's important to our members. But if I were to prognosticate what would happen if a new piece of legislation came down the pike, it, I would say it's probably going to get stuck in the Senate. End of the day, administration is, is the key, you think, even more so than, than the, the, the courts? I think they, they work in tandem. The, the quicker the administration can move to reexamine the WOTUS rule, the faster we'll have a, a solution that works for our members. And if we can move on that quickly, that means that we can then extinguish the, law, the litigation and let the administration fix it that way, through, administratively. Scott Yeager with NCBA in February of 2017. 
Shortly after, Scott Pruitt was confirmed as EPA Administrator. We had the chance to catch up with him in April of 2017. Yep, and we got a WOTUS update. As far as the WOTUS rule is concerned, uh, what folks need to understand is we're on the pathway to undoing, uh, rescinding the previous rule, which is needed. Uh, clarity is needed in the marketplace. We have a stay against that previous rule. Uh, farmers and ranchers, landowners across the country need confidence that that old rule is not something that's ever going to go into effect. So we've begun the process to withdraw and rescind that rule. And then second, second to that, Ron, we'll begin the process to provide a definition that fits uh, the Clean Water Act and the jurisdiction of the EPA and not trying to displace state authority uh, and also engage in a power grab with respect to uh, that issue. I know that as, as Attorney General, you talked a lot about the need to get stakeholders involved. Is that, is that your hope? Absolutely. In fact, we're going to have a robust federalism component as far as having voices and comments through that process to help us understand what, you know, continuous surface connection equals with respect to wetlands. Uh, what does a continuous flow of water actually mean, as Justice Scalia talked about in his opinion uh, in the Rapanos decision? So we, we want to move this process to where there's objective criteria. That's what's expected. You know, people at the local level will need to know that the EPA is not the first stop with respect to land use, whether it's farming and ranching, oil and gas, building subdivisions. And as you know, under the previous administration, there was a power grab where they came in and had such an enlarged definition that the puddles and dry creek beds and the first stop of jurisdiction was going to be Washington, D.C. That's not the way things should be. EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt, who did announce his intention to move forward with the rescinding of the Obama-era WOTUS rule, June of that year, we got an update with Congressman Frank Lucas. We have fought using the appropriations process this misguided Obama rule that would have literally given EPA control over all the water in the United States from the time it came down from the heavens until it made it to the Atlantic or the Pacific. We've been dependent on court case wins, but the real issue is the rule itself. And now that the EPA has announced, that Director Pruitt, that they'll begin the process of taking the rule back, basically canceling it. This is a great victory and one of those occasions where the Trump administration has done exactly what they said they would do. I guess uh, there will likely be some challenges by those that wanted us to leave uh, WOTUS in place, and then we've still got to re- redo the, the whole rule from, from the ground up. Uh, what, what are your hopes on that? Well, I think we'll first have to fight off the entities who want to continue the government down the trail of having complete control of our, our resources. But with Director Pruitt there, I believe we'll prevail. Uh, then we'll have to come back and see what sort of a, an alternative rule they offer. I'm sure it will reflect the intent of the law, which would be to continue the process of maintaining a control over waters that are non-navigable at the state and local level. The issues that address water that are in navigable size, size streams, of course, will probably still be federal. But that's still a step in the right direction. And whether you're in agriculture or manufacturing or the energy business or you've got a business on Main Street, that uh, rule where the previous administration was trying to go to literally give the federal government control over everything in our or water in our parking lots, in our backyards, in our farms, in our fields, on our locations, that was the most, one of the most devastating attempts at expanding power I've seen in my time in the nation's capital. From June of 2017, Congressman Frank Lucas. Well, the regulatory wheels slowly moved. Scott Pruitt, along the way, forced out at EPA. 
But Anthony Wheeler, who becomes the new EPA administrator, vows to continue the fight that Mr. Pruitt started. And toward the end of 2018, the old rule is just about dead. We've got a report along those lines that we featured uh, in late 2018, early 2019 with Scott Yeager of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. He talks about that WOTUS transition. The clock is literally ticking right now when it comes to ending the old WOTUS, Waters of the U.S. rule, and establishing the new, improved WOTUS rule. We do have something of a clock ticking, a, a two-year window before the end of President Trump's first term. Uh, you, you see this thing uh, successfully navigating uh, its way uh, by the end of that two-year period? Yeah, I mean, if we can get... So we've actually looked at NCBA, we've looked at the timelines here and played out the exact scenario you're talking about, and that is, can you get this rule finalized and, in, and defended by the Department of Justice before a potential administration change uh, in 2020? And I think uh, that is feasible, but we're going to need the government to get back online so they can put this proposal in the Federal Register sooner rather than later. As every day that ticks by is one less day that we have to get this thing done uh, in two years. So you're exactly right in, the, in thinking about the timeline. And you know what? EPA is thinking about that every day. Um, they know that they're up against the clock on a lot of different policy priorities and a lot of different modernization and reform efforts that they're, they have underway. So you know what? We think we can get there, but we're, we're definitely going to need the government to get back up and running so they can get some of these proposals in the Federal Register. You, you mentioned, and this isn't tied to any one particular issue, but it's a technique that we've seen the environmental groups and others try to use, and that's that sue-and-settle type concept. And it seems like, that we, for, to the credit of the Trump administration, they said, we're not going to play that game. Right, and that's a good thing. I mean, and, and just to talk a little bit more about the sue-and-settle piece, I mean, that is the bread and butter of a lot of these environmental groups. Uh, so you've got, just to give you for perspective, at NCBA, you've got myself, Scott Yeager, and you've got Mary Thomas Hartz. Uh, we're the two in-staff lawyers who work on environmental issues. Take a look at Earth Justice, which is the litigation arm for a lot of environmental groups like Sierra Club. They have, I think, in the, on the order of 100 and some odd attorneys on staff, whose whole jobs are to change policy, change environmental policy through the courts by suing the government. That's what they do. So we have, we're fighting a kind of a David Goliath type of battle here, and it's going to be, it's never not going to end anytime soon. But we're getting some successes under this administration and successes that our producers can really hang their hat on and actually, you know, be able to loosen the tie around their neck a little bit from some of these regulations. So we'll keep working on it and we'll see how far we can get. Does does the fact that the Democrats now have control of the House does that does that change the dynamic uh, on any of these environmental issues that you're following? It, it does change the dynamic. With a Democratic-controlled House, we're going to see a lot of oversight on the EPA and on this administration. So we're going to see Acting Administrator Andrew Wheeler being dragged before oversight hearings, uh, you know, probably on a, on an almost weekly basis, and and it's going to be on any number of things from stuff. That makes sense of things that are just frivolous. That are, and, and the 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 game plan there is, you you force Wheeler in front of the Congress. He's having to respond to questions from members of Congress instead of actually enacting and executing the the administration's agenda. So it's just uh, that's another thing that slows uh, the process and slows the the clock right, and makes it harder to achieve some of those policy victories with a limited time frame. Um, but you know we have faith in in what. Uh, Administrator Wheeler is doing. We support the efforts that are providing 
relief to our producers, and we're going to try to work with them as much as we can to uh, get some of these things across the finish line. In 2019, we saw the end of the old Obama-WOTUS rule, and the Trump administration continued to work on a new proposed rule, the Navigable Waters the Navigable Waters Protection Rule. And in April of this year, 2020, we talked to Scott Yeager again about the deal being done. Well, almost. The new Navigable Waters Protection Act is almost the law of the land. Scott Yeager, Chief Environmental Counsel for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, joined us today to talk about this latest step where the Navigable Waters Rule has now been published in the Federal Register and the clock is ticking. That's right. We've been working towards this for the entire time I've been at NCBA, which has been over five years. We've been working on it before that, too. So today marks a day we can put the victory flag in the ground and say, Uh, We got that issue fixed. There's more to come, of course, as all things in D.C. It seems to be a never-ending cycle. But today marks the day that the Federal Register is finalizing the Navigable Waters Protection Rule, and that is the Trump replacement for the Obama-WOTUS rule. It's official. It's in the Federal Register, and it will be effective in 60 days. So if you think uh, 60 days out from today, you're looking on or about June 21st, this new Trump rule is going to become effective law. That's what we get to look forward to. Now, things could happen between now and then that would change that. There's going to be lawsuits. Just about every environmental group out there has indicated that they are going to sue the Trump administration to try to overturn this uh, replacement rule and try to put it back onto the the old Obama-Lotus rule. That's their preference. So they're going to try to get it thrown out in court. What could happen in a worst case scenario is 60 days from now, when we get to June 21st, there is a court issued preliminary injunction that would put the new Trump rule on hold during the course of lawsuits. Play it out. We will be uh, likely hearing from these environmental groups very quickly, though. They'll go ahead and and uh, I'm sure they've already done some uh, some shopping for the right court they want to go will go uh, go against the rule on. Uh, but they'll be announcing the, their uh, their litigation fairly quickly. Is, is that true? Oh yeah, they've already they've already postured to the to the news outlets that they're going to sue the Trump administration. Uh, for them, it's, it's it's a talking point, right? If you look at the Natural Resources Defense Council's website, they tout how many times they've sued the Trump administration. So for them, it's a fundraising activity. So the more times they can sue the Trump administration, the, the better it is for them. And this, this goes right in, in line with that agenda. So there are going to be a number of environmental activist groups that are suing the Trump administration to overturn this new rule. Uh, we are stepping up. And when I say we, I, I mean that by that, I mean... National Cattlemen's Beef Association is stepping up along with a number of other uh, industry groups to defend the Trump administration's uh, action here. Uh, And we are in court right now defending the repeal of the 2015 rule, and we will likely be in court defending the replacement here as this gets kicked off. So a legal road ahead of us, a court battle, surely that will lead back to the Supreme Court. Uh, But for the time being, um, we need to to, uh, uh, be thankful that we've gotten to this point. Uh, it's taken almost the entire four years of the Trump administration to get here, and that's not by any fault of the Trump administration. It's just the nature of the bureaucracy in Washington, D.C., and what needs to be done in order to get a rule like this finalized it takes a lot of time. After- well, the calendar kept turning, and from April to May to June of this year, Scott Yeager talked with us again, and when we talked to him this time, the rule was final. It's a done deal. So as of June 22nd, 
navigable waters protection rule is effective law in 49 states. So that means that is the rule that is on the books and is being implemented on the ground. There is one really big clear area of this new rule, and that is if you had an ephemeral feature on your property, that is not under federal control anymore. An ephemeral feature is a waterway that conveys water from a rainstorm or a snow melt or another precipitation event. So if you have a feature on your property that's only conveying water after a storm event, that is no longer under the federal government's control. And that was a huge um, shift and a huge win on this new rule. Um, so that is clear. So you can count those out if you got those on your property. Now, when you get past that, it does get a little more granular. It gets a little more, more technical. And um, that's an area where you're going to have to take a close examination of the new rule and understand better what may or may not be a, a federal water. Certainly things like oceans and territorial seas are, are WOTUSes. So if you've got the ocean in your backyard, that's a WOTUS. Now, if you've got a major river that has barges on it and transporting containers, that's clearly a traditionally navigable water. That is a WOTUS. Now, when you get upstream of those big features, that's when it starts getting more, a little more, more complicated. So if you've got a ranch property and there's some small features on it that you're not sure if, it, if, if it's just moving water during a rain event or after a rain event, or maybe it's more than that, those are the situations that are going to be more tricky, going to be more technical, where you're going to have to take a closer look at it and perhaps reach out to your local Cattlemen's Association to get guidance on, on how to go about uh, working that piece of your, your land. Scott Yeager saying that the navigable water protection rule is now the law of the land, but that doesn't mean that we're totally done and we can put it up on the shelf and not have to revisit it anymore. The case in point is now it's in court. So it is now effective law, but it's being challenged by a multitude of environmental groups in blue states. And that's where we find ourselves today um, defending the Trump administration's rule in various courts throughout the United States. And finally, we come to this week. The Environment and Public Works Committee of the United States Senate holding a hearing looking at the rule that has now gone final back in June of this year. One of those making comments, Oklahoma senior senator, former chairman of the EPW committee, Jim Inhofe, who we've talked to many, many times over the years about the WOTUS rule, old and new. You've invested a lot of your time and energy in uh, seeing that uh, that thing done away with and this new rule in place. You know, we did, Ron. Uh, I can't tell you the, the the hours and hours and days that we spent working on this. To refresh the memory of our listeners, and I can remember you and I have talked about this way back when it was happening. That was back during the Obama administration. And he was bound and determined to take the jurisdiction of water from the states and put it in the federal government. Now, we take a state like Oklahoma. Uh, you get out in the panhandle. It's pretty arid out there. And I've been out there when it's very hot and arid. And and yet, all it would take is just uh, one one downpour with, with some standing water. And all of a sudden, that would have to go to the federal government. They would probably declare it as a wetlands. That would cause our farmers not to be able to plant their crops where they wanted to plant them and all the other hardships. I have to say this. During the consideration of, of what uh, the Obama administration was doing uh, with the change in the water jurisdiction, uh, that was one that was considered to be the number one uh, issue of the Farm Bureau at that time and many others uh, the same. So 
the good news was then uh, this president, who is a lot of the many of the things that this president, President Trump, has done that is really great, is done away with a lot of these over regulations where it puts government where we we just losing our freedom to government. So he came in and with with his effort. Uh, did away with that rule, the rule from the Obama administration, the WOTUS rule, and put in our rule, uh, which is very common sense. And I think uh, the farmers and ranchers are celebrating still uh, with that great change that was made. Oklahoma Senator Jim Inhofe. And there's our trip down memory lane, WOTUS, the old and the transition and the new. On today's Road to Rural Prosperity, we say thanks to Bank First for helping power this journey along this memory road of WOTUS. We hope that you've enjoyed it, and we'll see you next time on the Road to Rural Prosperity. I'm Ron Hayes. Thanks for joining us for today's Road to Rural Prosperity podcast. You can join the conversation about how rural Oklahoma can prosper by looking for us on Facebook. And you can find our growing number of conversations on our website, ruralprosperityok.com. The Road to Rural Prosperity podcast series is a production of the Radio Oklahoma Ag Network and oklahomafarmreport.com. Proud to be a part of the family of the Funk Companies. <laughs>